In studying how big business in China restarts after a quarantine, tell us what will happen to business offices around the world today on Remote Space. Hello? Uh, yeah, right. I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec. Enough! Working from home not as much fun as you imagined? Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas. Mark Powers and Jazz Thind work for Microsoft's Workplace Intelligence Group, a team studying the space between workplace culture and data. The pair have been looking at work habits in China from life before, during, and after the initial wave of COVID-19, and how work habits changed. Mark talked to us from the quiet of a Switzerland home, jazz just off the busy streets of London. Mark, uh, as an American who's worked overseas, including London and now Switzerland, uh, what's something maybe that people aren't prepared as they change countries and work in different cultures? For me as an American, the thing I notice the most is a change in English from country to country. The British have their own mannerisms and ways of talking. Here in Switzerland, especially the German part, people's English can have more of a Germanic structure to it, right? So getting used to that can be off-putting. And I'm sure my English, having lived here for a couple of years now, is more European than it was when I moved over. Interesting. And Jazz, I'm curious, and this may be a dumb question, but I need to ask. As an analyst looking at numbers, is there a difference in data from, let's say, when you're studying European countries and the work habits there versus something like China and other Asian countries? Or is data numbers truly universal? I mean, no, absolutely. There's definitely cultural differences and you can see that in the data. You can definitely see a geographical impact. And and that's actually why in a lot of our projects, we do definitely take that into consideration. There are just different working styles and you need to be mindful of the different cultures when we do this data analysis. So what might seem quote unquote normal for one culture would not be generalized to other cultures as well. So uh, let's start with the basic question. Why is looking at China's work habits important right now? Well, you know, China was experiencing uh, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic before anybody else in the world was. And they had closed down their offices, especially Microsoft China, in early February. And by the time they went back to the office and started that process of returning to the office, they were doing that before countries in Europe even had a lockdown. So we looked at what they were doing and how they responded to the pandemic to see what could or what would happen in other countries as a way to understand what changes might come from remote work, what challenges might come, and how they've handled that. So then looking at at the data and the numbers in this switch in February and now with the new blog article that comes out, what's some of the first things that really jump out as you look at these insights later on? Yeah, so we looked at networks originally when... China had gone into the work from home phase and found that, you know, we were sort of expecting that perhaps the network sizes that our employees have might shrink due to the lack of contact of being in the office. But actually we found that 
of those that did change in terms of network sizes, over half were had actually increased their network sizes. So they were actually making the effort to reach out to their employees uh, and their colleagues and trying to maintain that social interaction, which was lovely to see. And that was then maintained in the return to office phase as well. So when you're talking about network size, we're talking about just the amount of people that everyone's working with? Yeah, so the amount of people that you're engaging with in meaningful interactions. And by that, I mean in smaller settings. So we have those one-to-ones or those smaller meetings and email chains where you've only got two or three people. So these are our meaningful interactions as opposed to those where you're in those big town halls and there's hundreds of you there. Uh, So we don't count those. Ah, so maybe a town hall is not a meaningful interaction. No, I just have that's more of a joke than anything else. But I under, that's, inter- that's interesting how the data, how you justify those different types of meanings on that. Uh, Mark, what's something else that, that, that kind of jumps out as you went back and looked at this data again? One of the most striking things we saw was the increase in time people were working each day. We have a measure that looks between the first and last email or IM or meeting somebody has. To calculate their t- length of the work day, and we aggregate that to get a work week span, and those jumped up pretty significantly from the you know normal baseline period to when they went to re- remote work, working from home, and then when they went back to the office, you know we expected it to drop down a little bit, but actually increased again. And you know, I think what's striking there is just how challenging it can be to work from home, right? People's homes aren't always optimized for office work, juggling your professional responsibilities, along with family responsibilities, along with the challenges of working maybe in your kitchen or, you know, in your living room. And then that, that causes people to have to be more flexible and potentially work earlier or later if they have other responsibilities during the day, or if they just can't be as efficient and effective as it would be in the office. So we saw those working hours increase when they went work from home. And I think the move back to the office for a while was a bit of a you know, hybrid. So you had some people working in the office, you had some people working from home. And I think that drove also the further increase in working hours. So is that what's called the new night shift or is that something different? So that's slightly different. What we talk about in the article actually focus on is the, the evening worker bucket. So what we found was that even in the return to home phase, this group of people who are logging on at 9pm, but not logging off in the evening till quite late. So until till 8, 9, we see that they're still working. We expected this group of people to go down once they return to the office, but actually it's just increased. And 38% of the population are working like this, which is great that we have this data now which means that we can be mindful of this and we can let managers know so they can ensure that they can help themselves safeguard their employees from this risk of burnout and working these long hours but i so that's i think what we're referring to in the article the night shift are the employees who seem to be working at all hours throughout the day and into the early hours of the morning as well It's a very small group, though, but I think that could probably be due to call centers, employees who have mailboxes. It could be potentially down to that who are working those shifts. But it's really the evening workers that we saw. There was such a dramatic and a continuation increase as well. 
I want to take just a quick moment to talk about um, how you're gathering this data in probably layman's terms would be best. Absolutely. So Workplace Analytics takes signals from Outlook. Uh, it looks at your email activities, so when when you sent emails and uh, meeting activities, so when meetings were in place. Key call out here is we don't actually get any data from what's in the body of the email or what's in the body of the meeting at all. We don't get that data at all, but we can see things like how long the meeting was, when the meeting was put into place, people had accepted and from that, you get different metrics, things like uh, the amount of time you spent in emails, for example, over the course of a week, and the amount of time you spent in meetings over the course of the week, and how you spread that collaboration across the week. And I think, so Mark alluded to it earlier, in uh, as the work week spans, so which, this is where we take the first signal of the day and the last signal of the day and calculate the amount of time spent in between that for one day across the five days. And then that's sort of our metric for how switched on you are during the week. So part of the blog article talks about hypothesizing and then seeing data of what we think has changed temporarily and what might have changed permanently. Is there a segment there that you think is one of the key things that people should know about? Yeah, I mean, we, we hope that work we span growth, right, is a temporary thing. And, and when the pandemic ends or when people are back to the new normal, they should get back to a more normal level of, of uh, work weeks. So that's something we hope will change, but we haven't seen that change in a positive way yet. The other thing that changes, it's definitely more temporary, is the amount of time people are spending in voice and video calls. If I look at the differences between when the workforce was entirely in the office and the normal versus working from home versus where they are today with like a hybrid back to work thing, you can really see the amount of call time being directly correlated with how many people are in the office. And so as we expect people to go back to the office, we expect the amount of time they spend in calls to go down uh, as they can now meet face to face again. That behavior, we think, will adjust because that's just the way people are reacting to the inability to meet the people face-to-face, sort of go across the office and tap somebody on the shoulder and work something out in real time. Yeah, and I think uh, looking at that, I was thinking, trying to project myself into that when I return to the office is – if we're in masks, if we, you know, or, you know, it's kind of the convenience of even though I could go over there and normally being an extrovert, I would almost definitely go over there. I might ping them because I'm sure there's other considerations you have of how the comfortability of the other person is, especially in the early stages as people uh, get back in the office. Absolutely. I think that's really interesting that you pointed that out, that we will have to actually be very mindful that other people might not be as open to these face-to-face communications as I, and I agree with you, I'm also an extrovert, so I would just prefer to walk over to someone and really miss that aspect of the working environment. Um, But actually, that's the other part of it that we saw that, um, so IMs continued to increase uh, as people did return to the office. So that scenario you described is, I I think it's definitely being executed in the sense that people are uh, pinging each other through I am first, regardless of whether they're in the office together or or not, and maybe communicating that way first. And that feels like a definite lasting change of this sort of work from home phase that we are a lot more uh, reliant on our instant messaging 
due to maybe the perhaps the lack of convenience of wearing face masks and and being very conscious of other people's feelings. One of the lines that I found really interesting in the blog post is that colleagues in China have reported that they lose track of time even when they return to the office, which is the joke that everyone's been using of what day is it for months. It sounds like that's going to continue no matter what. Really? (laughs) We would hope not. (laughs) But yeah, I'm sure. I feel like I can definitely relate to that quote. I think that's why when we heard it, we were also, we just really were moved by it because we can really relate. It's just those evenings where, um, especially when we were working from home and the height of the pandemic, you know, there's not really much you can do with your evenings. So the evenings would just get away from you, wouldn't they? And you would just was a great distraction. It was a welcome distraction. But I think now moving back to the office, that's that's the biggest thing that we're going to be wary, have to be wary of. I think the other piece there is the ritual, you know, of the morning or evening commute. Without that commute, that really segregates your day from I'm home, I'm commuting, I'm office, I'm commuting, I'm home again. You know, it's easy to just get wrapped up in work and keep working because there's nothing necessarily going to pull you away from it, especially when you know people are collaborating a lot more and is this all the response to the pandemic going on. I mean, it requires a lot more work. So I definitely think that with the lack of commute and, and the fact that like a train schedule or a bus schedule or wanting to be rush hour can push people out of the office earlier or later, then that also helps you to lose track of time and just keep working on what 15 more minutes, what 10 more minutes. And then half an hour later or hour later, you're finally getting up. Oh no. And I, I, I live that because again, being uh, in Redmond, I try to move my day because I'm not doing a lot of meetings around the commute time. So I'm trying to get in early and leave early as much as possible, but you're right. That evaporates now because I'm not commuting or listening to podcasts, which is ironic since we're doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, my podcast queue has definitely grown the last few months. Well, hopefully we'll get you subscribed to this one. Um, the, um, so, and a question for both of you. I mean, I've worked with a lot of folks who've worked in Europe and you've talked about the, how work days are expanding, the time that people are working. You're both in a European time zone. If you're working with China, that's eight hours in one direction. And if you're talking to corporate Microsoft in Redmond in, in Washington State, that's eight hours the other direction. How has your schedule personally changed during all of this? The good thing for us was that we didn't have to do any of his research synchronously with people in China or people in the U.S. We could do it all over email, Teams, comments in the margin. That helped. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely challenging. I had a call the other day with a colleague in Australia and one in Redmond, and it was like 10 p.m. for the guy in Redmond. 6 a.m. for me and normal time for our Aussie colleague. And that's just a challenge of a global workforce. One of the, uh, when I was reading a, a finding in the first study that you did, uh, I was surprised that employees while meeting remotely were equally as focused as they were before they shifted to working from home. Has the focus in meetings changed as people have come back to the office? That was a super interesting finding. And actually, we looked at it and it hadn't changed. It stayed at a similar focus level from before to work from home and then back to the return to office as well. 
I mean, it was really unexpected because you'd think that once people are working from home and they don't have that social pressure of being in a meeting room with others and you know, tapping away and distracting everyone so they're more likely to stay focused, you would think that once they're working from home and don't have that social pressure, they would might be more likely to get distracted. But actually it was a great finding that people weren't and they were staying very focused during meetings. I know one of the things you've been looking at is the relation with managers and employees and how that's a key success. Talk about that. Especially in this pandemic world. I mean, even before this pandemic world, uh, it's been a well-known fact, the more coaching that we can receive from our managers, the, the more engaged employees are, the happier employees are in their roles, and the more supported that they feel. And there's research to back that saying that uh, around an hour a month per employee is um, sort of like the optimum amount of time so and then during and post this pandemic world as well it just changes the difficulties and challenges that uh, employees are facing so that support is even more important Uh, and it's been great to see that actually managers have been taking extra time and changing the way that they're meeting for example to make sure that they manage the different challenges that this pandemic has brought us and yeah, it's incredibly important and it's been great to see as well. So another thing that, uh, especially in Microsoft China, they would encourage to do is that even just even if the meeting wasn't a coaching call and it was just they just a meeting around whatever project work that they have on at the time, managers are encouraged to start the meeting with just a simple, you know, how are you asking about the well-being of their employees? Uh, just to make sure that everybody's doing okay. And little things like that really can make such a big difference in how supported employees feel and how comfortable they would feel to be able to speak up about the challenges and making sure that they're supported throughout this completely bizarre new world that none of us expected to be facing. True words, never spoken. I think it looks like managers to a large degree are kind of the unsung heroes of this whole thing. You know, we know that Managers, especially middle managers, had the some of the largest increases in meeting time and call time and collaboration time overall. And that's, you know, because they're really the connecting files, the glue that keeps the business functioning, especially during a pandemic. So for us to see them increase their meeting time with their direct reports and give them that coaching and that support and also their normal work and also have to meet more upwards as well, it's been a big impact on our managers. I think they maybe don't get enough credit for all they've done in the last you know, five months. I say this not as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the great. Mark and, and Jazz, uh, you can find their work in, in the blogs that we'll have links to at the Microsoft Workplace Insights. Thank you for your work and, and, the, and the time today. Be well, and uh, we can't wait to hear what, what you guys uh, come up with and, and research next. Thanks, Doug. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote space.